If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this awesome episode of Mind Pump. Here we are, everybody. Look, uh, for the first 45 minutes, we don't talk a whole lot about fitness, uh, but we do have a lot of fun. In the introductory portion of this episode. As we always do. Now, we open this up with some real light talk. Uh, We talk about politics, boom, (laughs) some third rail talk, Uh, good times. Yeah, it's been a while. Then we talked about the Girl Scouts versus the Boy Scouts. What the hell is going on over there? Yeah. Uh, Oh, oh yeah, that's right. I'm confused. They're not the Boy Scouts anymore. They're just the Scouts. Scouts. That's it. Let's get it right. Then we talked about uh, Adam uh, because, you know, he's going to be a dad now. Um, And uh, I think he's finally going to get... Life insurance. <laughs> it's about time. Uh, and so we talked all about Health IQ. Uh, they do offer life insurance to fit and healthy people. That's what they specialize in. Uh, if you go to Health IQ, H E A L T H I Q.com forward slash mind pump, you can take a health quiz, see if you score better than we did, yeah. and get a free quote. Keep listening to Mind Pump, you'll score well. Then we talked about the brand new red light therapy, Juve Go. It's rechargeable. It fits in your hand. You can get either the uh, the one that does the far infrared or the near infrared. One's better for the skin, one better for the muscles. Look, we talk all about it in that part of the episode. They are also one of our sponsors. If you go to juve.com, J-O-O-V-V.com forward slash Mind Pump, you will get a free MAPS Prime program with the purchase of $500 or more. And you're going to get free shipping. Then we talked about motivating kids to do well in school. We talked about the processed foods study. And we talked about the show on Netflix called Strongland. And then we get into the fitness portion of this episode. The first question was, uh, this person wants to know the pros and cons of full body workouts versus body part splits. Which ones are better for what? And which ones are better for you? Then mm. next question, uh, what are some good tips we can give on helping people develop a mind body muscle connection? That sounds all Ooh, sounds, sounds all so sp- woo-woo. weird, right? Yeah. The third question, uh, we give our thoughts on lifting weights while pregnant. Of course, Adam's uh, girl We're is all pregnant right now. Yeah. Um, and Justin looks like he's pregnant. So we talk all about <laughs> every day after a burrito. The exercises <laughs> that you should do. Screw you, Sam. Damn you. <laughs> the last question uh, we give our input on all that, uh, that drama that drama that's going around with the uh, Instagram star, oh, snap. Brittany Dawn. Did she rip people off? We do our speculation. Um, good times. Also, this month, MAPS performance is half off. Someone told me if I whisper, people listen in. So it's 50% off. Look, MAPS half. performance is a program designed for functional athletic performance. It's designed for people who want to develop an athletic-looking body. So think about what that looks like. An athletic-looking body. Nice core, nice legs and hips, strong glutes, good back. Nothing is overpowering anything else. Uh, It's good mobility. The workouts are also very different. It isn't a traditional workout. You'll be doing a lot of cool, fun stuff. If you go to mapsfitnessproducts.com, use the code GREEN50, G-R-E-E-N-5-0 to get 50% off. You can also check out our other MAPS programs on that site. Make sure you go look at them. We're so, uh, what's the word? Anti-establishment. Uh, yeah. Everything. Yeah. yeah. 
Anything. Yeah. Convention. Yeah, don't I'm tell an unconventional guy. Someone's like, hey, don't uh, don't step there because it's a hole in the ground and you're going to fall and kill yourself. And I'll be like, fuck you. Oh, yeah? I'll do exactly this. what I want. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then as I'm falling, you'll be like, I do it. Wow. You didn't tell me what to do. Yeah. Uh, oh my! I broke my ankle. Yeah, were you guys like it was that? Worth as, it. Were you guys like that as kids? Like, where you just you just didn't like yeah. people telling you? Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, yeah, I wish I wasn't. One hundred percent, I was like that. <laughs> That's so funny. I, yeah. I was. We. I mentioned it on the podcast the other day, and actually, Katrina brought it up, wanting to know where I thought I, it stemmed from. And I'm like, you know, I don't know where that came from. Um, like, because it's probably something that you had as a child, or that it started then. Like, were you some? Like, I was never somebody to go do what everybody else was doing that just yeah i didn't like yeah. to do that like I, it, I always wanted to do my own thing or have my own thing or create or be the first to do or see this was what was interesting was because like i had a group of friends that uh, would party and and would do things you know and like if, with sports and and we'd we'd hang out and then i'd also have like my church kind of friends that would like have you over and like you'd have like bible study you'd have all these things like I couldn't get fully vested in either or, you know, ever. It was always like, well, I don't want to do that, you know. And then like nobody would have my back, and I'd be like, okay, I'm out of here. Yeah, I'm always, I've always been um, critical, not critical, skeptical of the of the mob. You know yeah. what I mean? Of the crowd. I've yeah. always been like, I've always stood back and looked at it and been like, Dude. what's going on there? Bill Burr, the most amazing bit on this about fuck groups. <laughs> I, I completely wait, wait, wait. fully agree. As in, like, screw groups or like these are groups that like fuck groups. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not fuck groups. I love yeah. Bill Burr. Dude. Bill Burr's the best. He's just got such a great perspective on it. He's, yeah. he's just like, yeah, don't everybody needs to think individually, dude. It, it, and I'm, which is the opposite of what we do. Yeah, and I would, I would be yeah. a terrible, like, I wouldn't do well in prison for this one reason right here. I would get I would get murdered in there because I, I, even as a kid, if there was a big kid or a group of kids or when I was in junior high there were gangs, and if I felt like any of them tried to like punk me or tell me what to do, I couldn't live with it. Like I, I would last approximately a day. Like if something happened, I'd go home that day. I've, several times this happened where one of them would bump me and there'd be like fifteen around me or whatever. I'd go home. And I just all night I'd be thinking about like I have to stand up for to, to them I have to say something and I devise a plan fully prepared to receive an ass whooping and be happier with that than having had to back down right right and just yeah. a terrible terrible uh, anyway right it's, yeah it's hilarious hey you know what you haven't brought up and Doug hates when we do this but so I'm gonna do it anyways uh, but you have to talk about it I mean uh, your our boy Trump yesterday it was yesterday or the day before. He's he's in the clear, right? Well, the, the Senate committee said that they found no evidence that there was any. Oh yeah, anything Colluding going on with Russia? Yeah, dude. Um, My boy was convinced he was going to get impeached. Of course, like that was going to be the the death sentence, right? Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. of yeah. course. Everything's so politicized; it's insane. It's funny too because I post, I posted a picture of an art that an article that said that, and that the article said you know um, Senate committee you know says that there's no they found no evidence or whatever. And I posted uh, like a picture, like a little gif or whatever of a woman eating popcorn because I'm like, this is going to be very interesting. Right. Like I can't wait to see from from a from a distance, watch what happens with this next election. Right. And this irritates me. Here's the thing that irritates me. And now I'm very clear on the podcast. I didn't vote for Trump. I'm not. There's things he does I like. There's things he does I don't like. I'm not necessarily a huge fan, 
But some of the stuff he does, I'm a fan yeah. of. Again, some of the stuff he does. You're taking the emotion out of it. I'm very critical of, right? Yeah. And so I'm not like a huge fan. I posted it and I'm like, with the popcorn gif, like, oh, let's see what happens. And immediately I get people who are like, oh, that's a, you can't trust that website or that newspaper. I had this lady's like, oh, that, that, that website or that news uh, organization, they're, they're all, they're all right leaning, whatever. So I'm like, okay, how about NBC? How about political? How about CBS? How about, cause everybody's reporting CNN, it. CNN, yeah. And, and I, I understand where she's coming from, but what gets on my nerves is uh, not all information is going to be fake. Some of it will be. Do your own research before you jump to defend your own uh, political bias. Right. Like, mm-hmm. If we had more objective people, here's the thing. A lot of people are, the people who are afraid of Trump are afraid of the power that he has and the things he could potentially do, but he wouldn't have that power if those same people didn't sit by idly while Obama gained all that power and all the people who were afraid of obama wouldn't he wouldn't have had all that power if they didn't sit by idly if bush Bush, when bush expanded his power like we wouldn't be in this situation if the president had the amount of power he's supposed to have which is not that much he really is not supposed to have tons of power he's not supposed to be able to to invade other countries he's not supposed to be able to do executive orders all the time and because they do now people are so afraid it's like look we should be in a position where we laugh at the president like whatever do what you can't do shit you have no power but instead, we're in this situation, you know. But I'll tell you what, right now, from a from a uh, outsider standpoint, from somebody who tends to not like aspects of either side, uh, although right now the left is frightening me a little bit with their how they want to censor speech and stuff, which is kind of frightening considering they're the ones that the always irony of it, right? Well, they used to advocate for free speech, so it's really yeah, weird. They're I, the biggest proponent of it. It's really scary because time. they're they're the ones pushing for um, banning speech, putting finding people for what they consider hate speech, which here's the thing with hate speech, who determines that? Yeah. That's always the, the fear. Um, it, uh, Jordan Peterson did a bit on this. He, he talked about how in the UK there was that one comedian that taught his girlfriend's pug to do the Hitler salute. Oh, yeah. Remember that guy? Yeah. I thought, oh, yeah, that was which, in the UK, right? Which, yeah, it was in the UK. I, I mean, it was Canada. No, it was in the UK. UK. It's, it's you know, he thought it was funny. Some people thought it was funny. Some yeah. people thought it was offensive. Whatever. It's a fucking pug. And Peterson made a, a great example of it. He says, look, it wouldn't be, it's funny because it's a pug. Like if he's teaching children or if it's like a German shepherd, you know, and they're trying to, you know, then maybe, but he's like, and not only that, he says, we have to, you know, back in the, in the uh, medieval times, the, the jester was the one that was able to tell the truth to the king and get away with it. And everybody knew that when the king executed the jester, they were dealing with an evil person. Mm-hmm. And so comedy needs to be able speech. Is always that, is that the role? That was the role of the jester was yeah. actually to make fun of things that were like be ironic. He was the only one that yeah. could get he or she was the only one could that could the get the away voice with. Of the oh, people. I didn't know that. Yeah, and yeah. so they'd get up there and poke fun at the the the, the it's king parody and parody. It's, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I thought it was inter- I always thought it was an entertainment for the king, but it was more for the people and like a, like the voice of the kind of like what comedians do today. Yeah. When Think about it. That's the history of like what comedians do because comedians do political commentary and say things that well, shit, that, you taught me that today. most people can't. A lot of people can't say, you know, uh, but you can say when it's a joke. And comedians have for, forever gotten away with shit. And so it's kind of scary because the left is like, they're the ones that are pushing for speech censorship, which is kind of frightening. But anyway, I disagree with things on either sides oftentimes. And I'm looking at this from the outside and brute, the economy's crushing i don't like the debt but i don't think the debt is going to crash on us anytime soon um trump's going to be i i don't think anybody how are they going to beat him you know it's going to be hard to beat the 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 thing that i'm most 
you know, worried about with all this stuff is I'm I've always been Mr. I don't give a fuck about politics. I joke about it all the time saying it's ner- sports for nerds and you know, <laughs> I've talked about it more in the sports la- ball. I've talked about it more in the last like 8 years than I have in my entire life and and I don't think that has anything to do with my age getting older. I just think it's the climate right now. Yeah. Just, I've never felt such a division because it's I see it within my own circle of friends, friends of mine that we didn't really care or talk about that stuff anymore. You know, there's definitely this clear division of ones that kind of work for the government and work on that side of the house, and then the other those of us that have like built our own. Our that, own that's business. really where I see it too, and it's it's people that are employed, you know, and have and, and that, that's the thing. Like, you have a perspective because like, who's cutting you checks, right. and and what initiatives do you want to pass because it's going to affect your environment there, in, right in front of you? There, well, there, there's there's clear things I don't like that Trump does, and so when people criticize and say, I hate him. I like to ask them, like, okay, what is it that you don't like? Let's have a great conversation. And I fucking hate it when people do this. This happened with previous presidents, too. It's not unique to Trump. But they'll, they'll be like, oh, well, um, you just, I don't like, uh, I just don't like him. He's a, he's a bad person. It's like, you, you don't know what to criticize because you don't know. Yeah. There's plenty of things to criticize. Yeah. Talk about the tariffs. Talk about debt. The debt that he's doing. Talk about some of his, you know, kind of strange relationships with, you know, certain figures in the Middle East or whatever. Talk about, you know, foreign affairs. But no, I don't. I just, oh, he's an evil person. I just Mm. don't like him. You, my friend, are a blind uh, individual who's just got a strong political bias. Doesn't fucking matter who the person is. Just because they're on the opposite side, you don't like them. Right. And that's the game that that politicians play. And that's why there's only ever going to ever be two parties that's why no other it's funny when a third party tries to come in the only time the left and the right work together right then they yeah. crush them together well, you saw that with that like roger stone documentary on netflix is like he like instrumentally was behind trying to make sure that the ross perot like factor did not happen oh yeah it just doesn't matter it, it fucks you know <laughs> one side or the other completely and so nobody wants that third party no they work together and they do it in a very sneaky way to to uh, to get nobody else in the conversation and then they force you to think those are your only two options and the way they do it is if you ask people who vote for one side or the other oftentimes what you'll hear is oh uh uh, they're the lesser of two evils you you know i'm saying you ever hear that where people like oh no yeah yeah i'm not a huge fan of Oh, of Hillary, but argument. I hate Trump, or I'm not a fan of Trump, yeah. but I hated Hillary. I just you voted want... Libertarian? Or you're just wasting votes. Yeah, or you voted Green Party? <laughs> oh, waste. thanks. Yeah. Yeah. My yeah. Vote. Oh, so I can't have my own thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Oh yeah. Well, you, whoops, silly well, me. Well, why we're touching third rails? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what's uh, what's going on with the Boy Scouts thing right now, man? Oh, uh, I know that's ruffling feathers right now, and there's a bunch of shit getting stirred well, up with them. So they made it. Um, now they're just the Scouts. By the way, do you guys know that the Girl Scouts are, are suing them? Yeah, well, they're going. Aren't they bankrupt, or they're going at like it's wait, wait, wait. hurting Gr- them substantially? The Girl Scouts are Girl Scouts su- yes. suing the Boy Scouts. So I did some they're research. Taking a lot of business. I from did them. some research. Again, this is an issue that's become politicized. So I'm like, okay, yeah. I want to get through the politics. Let's let's look and see what's going on. Right. The Boy Scouts have been losing money for a long time. Um, they were embroiled in lots of controversies, uh, sex abuse, and mishandling of money, and all that stuff. The Girl Scouts and the Boy Scouts are separate entities. Okay, they're not like one organization doing. T- one sep- sells cookies, uh, one makes. They're fires. separate entities. Yeah. Okay, so the Girl Scouts are going after the Boy Scouts because they're because they're both called Scouts, and now that they change it from Boy Scouts to Scouts, the Girl Scouts are saying, "Your people are going to get confused and think they could just go there." Basically, saying, "Hey, we're not we're not the same," and the fact that now you're just Scouts and allowing women. 
or, or girls to come in uh, isn't cool. So I found that fascinating. You know what? Uh, on the and this is a really touchy subject. I'm just in this mood, I guess today. Um, but I heard something that Bishop Barron talked about, and you just said something with the the Boy Scouts, and because the, they've had they've had the child uh, stuff go on too, yeah. there, right? With the Boy Scouts, just like sexual abuse. Have you ever heard Bishop Barron talk about that with the Catholic Church? No. So it's kind of interesting. I was listening to, and I don't remember what interview he was doing, and uh, I was, and uh, oh, it was uh, Ben Shapiro. Great, great interview. So they mm-hmm. they get in this, and Ben Shapiro asked him some really challenging questions, and that was one of them. He went into that, and he explained, and, and he did it way better than I ever could. So you know, those that are going to get offended right away by this topic, like go listen to the way he articulates his points. But the way he kind of talks about it. Um, is, you know, it's one of those things that because where it came from, like the Boy Scouts or like the Catholic Church, we fucking make it crazy. But when you look at statistically, like how many thousands of Boy Scout leaders are there and what percentage of of that actually did this, and then you compare it to the rest of the world in all professions, it's it matches up or it's the same or it's less. That's actually an interesting point. Yeah, like so he goes, you know, if there's, uh, I don't remember this number, so don't quote me on these numbers, but he said something like there's, uh, you know, 4% of child abuse that happens in the world. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at the church or you look at the boy, you look at these things, there's 7,000 leaders within that. And 4%. Con- and 4% have done that. Yeah, or have but, been accused. That, but that, but that, what, we, what we do is we isolate that and like, there's this huge problem with, no, there's a huge per- problem in humanity. In general. In yeah. humanity that's fucked up. And you're not, yeah. just because yeah, you- You could probably have that same stat like going through like daycare, mm-hmm. you know, centers. That's my, around, my problem. Know. I just I thought that was fascinating. It is. My problem uh, with, uh, and I want to go back to the Boy Scouts because there's something else interesting about it, but my problem with the Catholic Church isn't that, it's that the cover-up Right. That happens as a result of, of course, and by no means did he yeah. uh, was he. Try, that's why I want to trigger the, everybody that I triggered yeah, they, by talking co- about this. He he did a really good way of talking about it. It wasn't like he was justifying it, but he was explaining. He's that. actually he's actually a huge proponent of fucking opening it all up, right? And letting right. everybody know what they know and what's going on. Punish right. people who need to be punished, yeah, right? But that was just something that I had never even thought about that because I too I remember when that all happened and came out. I was yeah. like. Holy fuck. But if someone had, imagine if you just presented that information different to me that, you know, Hey, it looks like even the church is, is tainted with this as, as the rest of the the, the country is. Yeah. So back to the, the the boy scout thing. So I had seen that now there's, you know, there's more girls like coming into the scouts and they've actually created their own all girl scout tribe (laughs) in the boy scouts. Like, Girl Scouts within the Boy Scouts, but not Boy Scouts. It's the Scouts. Yeah. It's, it's what? what the fuck is I, going on again? It's poor it, kid. How could you could be right? How confused you are yeah, as a kid? Like, well, where do I sign up, Dad? Yeah, well, it's it's it, so it is politicized to make it look like oh, boys are you know uh, you know they're they're going against boys, but girls get to do this, that, and the other. So we got to look at it this way: the boys consider them both separate entities, right? And yes, one was all girls and one was all boys, but forget that for a second. The Girl Scouts did very different things than the Boy Scouts. So the Boy Scouts did a lot of camping and survival stuff, and the Girl Scouts didn't do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of girls that want to do that they stuff. They want to do that stuff. Yeah. Now, that now, makes sense. Yes. And so here's what I think is going to happen. I think the Girl Scouts, if this ends up being a big deal, the Girl Scouts are going to have to change and start adding those types of things in. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Uh-huh. That's what I think to compete. Yeah. You know, but although the Girl Scouts have done pretty well, it's the Boy Scouts that that they're you know they've lost money or whatever. That's right. interesting. So, that is anyway, really interesting. Talking about you know not doing what uh, 
people tell you to do, are you finally going to get life insurance? Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've been called out, I, dude. I you know, especially with that new news you well, uh, dropped on. You got a baby coming, all of man. us. I am going to Maximus. Is I am finally going to take advantage of our health IQ. I mean, this is, uh, and I've been pro it all along. But honestly, at this point in my life, there was not a heavy reason for me to do that. Um, I do have a heavy reason. It's an emergency for now, huh? Yeah, so there is a little bit of urgency to make sure my ass is Do you covered. remember what your health IQ test uh, score was? Um, it was high. It was the same as yours. It was like 97 yeah. or something like that? No, no, no. It was higher. That was, we were one something, weren't we? Uh, I think out of 100. I think it's no, out of... No, it, no I no, think no, it was out of 200. Yeah, it was like you had a 200. You and oh, I okay. you, yeah, we scored like, the exact same, I remember. Yeah, you sent it over. Yeah, it was like 187. You, or you right. pretty much copied me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I copied your homework. Yeah. You know what trips me out about that when I was you on guys. the phone with them is that they use that score... It's not just a bullshit way to get people to to get leads or whatever. I thought it was that. I so did I. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. You take their health IQ test, which the questions they ask in there are good. They're not stupid questions. They're not like, uh, you know, is it good for you to work out? No, yeah, they ask, they're they're really filtering people out with it. They like you need to know fitness, and you know you need to know fitness somewhat. Right. And the when you take the test, they actually use that score, and that score helps bring down your price because they've identified that people who score well on that test, which I think is fascinating, people who score well on that test are a good investment on their part. They know they could charge them less because the fact that you have a higher- very logical sense. Like you're going to care about your health and so therefore you're going to educate yourself. How cool is that? Like the fact that you know more about health and fitness, they've now been able to connect the fact that you're probably going to live longer. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we're going to give you a cheaper rate. Yeah, You know what I mean? The other thing that was cool, Adam, that's going to work in your favor is they don't look at uh, cannabis use like other life insurance companies. <laughs> yes. No, this is a big deal. Yeah, because yeah. most life insurance companies, if you smoke weed, they count it like tobacco. And if you smoke tobacco, life insurance, you're fucked. I think yeah. your, your price will double or- And I'm sure like our fan base, there's there's. I'm actually going to uh, stop anyway. Cannabis so. yeah, Completely. Um, or just reduce a lot. Yeah, I don't like saying that because I know that I'm gonna get a bunch of DMs. People asking, "Are you done? Are you this and that? Are good?" I'm not, I'm I'm not gonna like. This isn't something where I'm like I can never have it again. I'm going, but I I don't want my son to uh, be born in a house where he, that aroma. Is. For now, I don't give a fuck. It's my house. Sure, I smoke in it. I do whatever the fuck I want. But I, even if my family comes over and they smell it, I don't give a shit. They know. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't mm -hmm. care. But I will care when it's my son. When, when I think when uh, when he's in the house, and I don't want him to even get used to that aroma. So for sure, it'll be out of my house. Mm -hmm. uh, Maybe do it like when you guys have a date night. Or us, or you, go you know somewhere. what I'm saying? Like yeah. I could imagine we're traveling somewhere. Where I mean, for sure, I'm gonna light one up with yeah, you guys. In yeah. fact, I'll probably enjoy it even more than because I yeah. rarely. Hey, that's I, what I mean, I've that's noticed, me, man. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, what that's I've noticed. That I've reduced my usage yeah, considerably, and yeah. I noticed that I enjoy it more now when I do do it. Yeah. So, and, and really for me, it's like I don't, I would, I don't want my son to see or in ever even misinterpret. Uh, you know, my use as, as anything. Like, I don't, I don't want it to be a part of his life. Now, when that time comes and I have to have that conversation, and he asks about it and wants to try it, or isn't that fine? Try for it sure. with him. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I'll, and I'll educate him and talk to him about it, but. I don't want to. I don't want to make that decision that much easier. You don't want to make it a a normal part of his life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No. I, I hear exactly what uh, you're saying. Absolutely. And yeah. and I've I've never cared enough to even potentially just com completely. But again, this is why. I, this is again why I, I I've always been pro cannabis. Is I don't have a problem just stopping. Like I don't. I, oh, I I I. It was a hundred percent harder to get off caffeine 
than it was to go yeah. go, go fast off of Canada. I've always, I've 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 done a really good job in my opinion um of keeping a nice balance that. Now on the show we talk openly about it and, and you know I'm known as like the marijuana guy cuz I did the two cannabis clubs yeah. and and I'm pro it, but it's not like I'm stoned. No, you know, no. like I'm no, that's re- Doug, Doug is stoned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's got push buttons. Not you know? true. <laughs> so yeah, wrong. You know, yeah. But I, you know, absolutely. Yeah, I uh, one of my favorite things in the world to do is you know when the Warriors come on at seven thirty at night before yeah. I go to bed is I sit down and have a little bit and watch the show or whatever. Well, and, here's the other thing too about uh, life insurance. I was talking to Doug and Doug says that obviously when you get it. If a health issue comes up after you've got it, they're not they can't cancel it. It's yours. Right. If a health issue comes up now, you may not only will your rate go up, but they'll deny you many times. Now, so I, oftentimes people will go in to try and get life insurance, right. they, and they just had a health issue thing. So now they're like, oh, oh, I should get life insurance. Sometimes at that point is too late. You know what I mean? So getting it when you're fit and healthy is the way to do it. I'll have to. Won't I have to do a physical, Doug? Yeah, you have to do an exam, probably blood, urine, prostate. EK, uh, probably no EKG. Depends on how much you get. As far They're going to milk you. They're going to put all kinds of. Oh, so in like your butt. if I if yeah. I do like a really high high level. Yeah, the more insurance you get, the more comprehensive the. Well, exam. I'm going to need some help with be. you to probably sit down and talk because I I want to make sure Katrina and my son don't ever have to worry, but I don't want them to be fucking make out big time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't worry. Yeah, I don't, I don't want any motivation for my death. So yeah. we, I want to find that that sweet spot, but you know what? We'll to figure out inflation over the next 15, 20 years, we have to figure out like what. I think s- you're overthinking it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if something happened, yeah. you would. No, the we, truth uh, is, you really want your family to be well taken of care of. Of course, of yeah. course, of and course. And I don't think anybody has a real motivation. Yeah. Nobody gets my at this point anyway yeah. to yeah. knock right. you off. Yeah. Is yeah. that is the is that on right now? Do yeah. you have the juve on right now? Yeah, yeah, dude. How do you like the little the, the little carry? Well, you see me using it right now. I mean, I'm I'm digging it because. It's it's smaller than it's even smaller than I thought it, it fits was. Fits in your hand. Yeah, yeah, no. It's, it's like the size of a of a really big like a iPhone, but it's still it's yeah. thicker, obviously. But it's got yeah. the same. Yeah, it's a actually that's a good that's a uh, it's almost like a, a Samsung maybe Note, a, a tiny <laughs> bit bigger than the uh, the big iPhone, right? Um, and like you said, thicker, obviously. But you charge it, so this thing you just plug it in. Doesn't take long to charge it up. Then it's pretty much charged up. I don't know how many hours it lasts for, but it has these three little dots that show me where the battery life so is. So this one's a little more dim, though. I saw the other one that was like super bright. Okay, so, so they sent us uh, a bunch of them, right? And I tried two of them, and one of them was fucking crazy bright red. I mean, it looks like you're entering into a new yeah. dimension. Then the other one that Adam has, you can barely see the lights, and if you turn the lights off, you can see them a little more. But it's it's barely. So at first, I'm like, is there something wrong with this? Yeah. But then I remembered the I big. Need to hit it. But then I remembered the big panels have a combination of those two lights, near and far. Yes, so that's what it is. So the the red one, which is called the, I think it's just called red, um, is a different wavelength of this uh, of red light, and that's the one that's absorbed by the superficial layers of the skin. So that one's good for for skin. So collagen production, mm. skin clarity, improvement in skin's tone and texture. Uh, it's good for the eyes, the thyroid. That's the one that's probably all the it, surface stuff. Yeah, anti-inflammatory support, hair restoration. So you want to make your hair grow, you want that one. Um, the in the near infrared one, which is NIR. That's the one you have. That's a deeper penetration. That's so like that's muscle m- soreness and stuff. Mus- muscle and and joint health. Um, and they also say, you know, on their site that it helps with gut health and organ function because a greater percentage of the energy is absorbed uh, into the deeper uh, tissues. Now, ideally, if you want to go balls out, you use both of them. 
But if you get that little mini one and you know exactly what you want to yeah. work on, like uh, like I go balls out with it right on top. Right, exactly. <laughs> no, like if you want, like you want to help with wrinkles or you want to, you know, uh, help with just your skin tone and that kind of stuff. Go with red. If you're more like I want muscle recovery, go with the NIR. No, I, you know, and I'm glad you actually did that because I actually thought it was the other way around. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I thought the brighter one would be the deeper penetrating one, and then the lighter one would be the 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 other one. So I have that lighter one right now, but that's not what I wanted right now because I'm I'm more about the the skin and the hair. It's bro. the and it's the for me the I've noticed I notice when I use it on my head, um, my hair's fuller. And by no means does it fucking fix me being thin, but it makes it, it's definitely thicker and fuller, which is nice. Did, right? You know, it's FDA, that red light therapy is FDA approved it's for hair regrowth. Yeah. Well, we so just, it's not like a bullshit. It sounds like it's bullshit, but it's not. No, every even every doctor we talked, we just had a great conversation with uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Gabrielle uh, yeah, Line. Yeah, Gabrielle Line, and she was just a huge advocate of it also. I mean, everybody I've talked to is pro it. And I, I remember, I told you guys way back when, when we first got sponsored by them, and when I was sitting in front of it, the two things that I noticed the biggest difference, like I, I had a hard time noticing recovery stuff. That was a really tough one. It wasn't something so dramatic. I was like, holy shit. Um, like Ben said, because Ben made it sound like it was a big deal and I couldn't yeah. see that. What I did notice was my psoriasis was uh, 10 times better and then my hair was thicker and fuller. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Like that. But I also noticed too, I, I neglect it. I don't do it, and then it's back to kind of how it is. Like, my psoriasis right now is, because I haven't been consistent with this, uh, I I can see it. Well, I was just worried initially when we were partnering with them because it was, like, such a barrier to get these panels and these units because it's so expensive. And, like, I know people were looking for for alternatives, you know, online, and they could find them but didn't have the quality Mm -hmm. that was, like, tested like Juve has. and. Now they have like this this smaller one that's actually affordable and like it's it's more reasonable. It's, it's like oh wow, it's still, finally it's still not cheap because it's the it's, high. How well, it's cl- like three hundred versus like thousands of yeah, dollars. It's two hundred right? something bucks for it. It's not that, it, but it's, it's it's fucking quality. No, dude, it's dope. Because I, I mean, even the even the box and shit you get it in, you can, it, it's like. Well, I remember when we were first talking with them. Sick. I talked to Greenfield about it, and he's like, "Oh yeah," he goes, "There's a lot of red lights on the market that are bunk." Yeah, like you're just getting red light, but you're not getting the kind of red light that you know all the studies support and all that shit. So yeah. Anyway, so you know what I love more than anything, being right. <laughs> Doesn't that feel? <laughs> I fully believe this. By the way, it's such a totally... good uh, good feeling. Was this something who who was arguing? No, nobody was arguing with me. Uh, it's okay. okay. So a study is arguing himself. I'm right. <laughs> yeah. Damn it, I'm right again. So a study was uh, just came out, and they studied. Uh, to, to look at how people operated on two different kinds of diets, ultra-processed diets versus more of a natural food intake, uh, natural food type of diet. And what do we always talk about? What, are, what, are the, what is the main reason why we tell people avoid heavily processed food? Right. It hijacks yeah, your system. Just messes with yeah, your palate. That's it. Because it, you can, can you eat? Highly processed food that's more healthy than 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 the unhealthy stuff. Yes, it's not inherently unhealthy, although more often than not, processed food isn't super healthy. Are the whole natural foods that aren't as healthy as other foods? Yes, but more often than not, whole natural foods are healthier. But that's not the the main uh, the main reason why I tend to tell people avoid processed food. What they found in the study is that it, the reason why people gain weight when they eat processed food isn't because insulin spikes or anything like that. It's because their consumption causes people to overeat like crazy. Yeah, fuck, duh. Yep, and so right. they, this was a tightly controlled study, which I love. It was carried out in a metabolic ward. So they're controlling 
what the people are eating. And they found that when people are allowed to eat uh, unlimited access to highly processed foods, they eat way more than when the foods are, are unprocessed. So the bottom line is if you are trying to manage your food intake so that you don't overeat, you are gonna, it's going to be really, really, really hard if you have a diet that's high in highly processed foods. In fact, I would go as far as to say if all you did was eliminate processed foods, you would probably see your body weight move towards a healthier, more natural place. I don't think you'll get shredded, yeah. but I think a lot of people will automatically lose weight just because they find they don't want to eat nearly as much. It's interesting because you see like Whole Foods diet and you see this like kind of like surface. And um, I, I know a lot of people have had like this this sort of epiphany just going through that process. And it is because when you really start to gather Whole Foods and you 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 have to spend the time chopping it. You have to spend the time, you know, preparing and then cooking it. And then you go through that whole process and you realize like, uh, what's involved with that. It, it's just another one of those things where you, you see the opposite of that, how easy it is to just shovel it in. And then also it's like it, it, you crave more. Well, make no mistake for thousands of years, humans now have been trying to make food more palatable. I mean, every culture has their own, uh, particular style of cuisine and some some styles are more popular than others you know Italian food tends to be really popular Mexican food uh, French food and and really what they're doing when you're looking at them and the whole natural foods that they cook with and stuff is they're trying to make whole natural foods more palatable and we've been doing that for a long time right the thing is processed foods takes it to a new a completely different it's like level an exponential factor they are literally fucking with your chemistry to a point where it's almost not fair. You know well, what I'm saying? Well, I, I, uh, you just did a really cool post on uh, abstaining from things, mm -hmm. and and I think it's just it's just that it's I'm not I, I'm not mad at all that stuff. I think it's awesome that science has evolved us so much that we have this ability to make some like how amazing was going to that steak restaurant we had. I mean, that's science right there. Mm -hmm. They have learned to pair wines with certain meats that you're doing. They've put all these different things together. To you know, make our brain go bananas as we're as we're eating it, and it's fucking amazing, and I love it. And I would never, I don't think I'd ever want to go back the other direction. But I think the the same, you know, old school principles of you know whether you're somebody who's religious and take that from like biblical stuff, or you just believe in that as a a, a good practice. But learning to abstain from things is is mm -hmm. such an important practice. It's like awesome, you know. Sex is great, but it can get out of control too. It could take over your life. Just be aware, like be aware of what you're dealing with. If you if be aware that when you're dealing with highly processed foods, lots and lots of engineering and money has gone into making that food so palatable that it's going to hijack your system, and that as much willpower, all the willpower in the world. The odds are stacked against you, in, in essence. And just know that. Know that. It's like an alcoholic, a recovering alcoholic, going and getting a job in a bar. Like, they're, they're, they're putting themselves in a, in a pretty shitty position. And I think they'd be aware enough to know, that's probably a job I, I, don't, I shouldn't get. Because as much willpower as I have, you know, being around alcohol all the time, it's going to really encourage me to eat. Well, these processed foods are like that. And I'm not talking about it like it's an addiction. The average person, like, you put a bag of potato chips in front of me, and if I eat one or two of them, it starts to send those signals off way more than whole natural foods do. A baked potato won't do that. I don't care how much butter you put on it or whatever. It sends those signals into motion. Boy, trying to maintain a, a, a diet where calories are appropriate is going to be really hard because 
you know, we in, all we all in conjunction with what's happening right now. Mm. I mean, what are we seeing with tech in the last 10, 15 years? Yeah. I mean, we're we're not having to drive anywhere. We're not having to move to do anything. I mean, mm. it's so you 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 pair those two things. Science is getting better with the hijacking of the flavors and making your brain go nuts when you eat stuff. At the same time, too, we're making things so convenient for you. You don't have to get off the couch and go to it. I mean, the combination of those two or those things, it's uh, no wonder we're, yeah. we're getting worse. I think what you need to do really is look at processed food and respect it. Does that make sense? Like, I know people who, uh, you know, drink alcohol. I know people who do drugs. Um, but they, uh, now, and I'm not advocating for those things, but they also respect those things enough to know, like, okay, I, I like- How powerful they yeah, are. Yeah, I like doing these drugs. I'm not going to, but I respect them enough to know if I do them every day, it's not going to be good. Like, look at processed foods that way. Look at them and be like, okay, I'm respecting the power that these things have. So you kind of treat them that way. I'm not talking about demonizing these things, but treat them that way. Here's the thing. We, we, we all understand and talk about how humans evolve during times of scarcity for the most part and that our bodies are hardwired to want to eat uh, when food's in front of us. But there's another thing that's hardwired into us that we don't talk about much, which is it's it's just as as bad as it is for you to starve. It's almost as bad for you to overeat and cause yourself to get sick um, and cause digestive issues and become obese. And the human body knows that. And so when you have whole natural foods in front of you, it'll stop you many times from eating past a certain point. It just fucking does. Like go ahead and try to eat just whole natural foods and try to overeat that way. And you'll see how much more challenging it is than when you're throwing processed foods at yourself because the body naturally wants to maintain a little bit of homeostasis and we're just hijacking the fuck out of it with all these these crazy foods. And I love that a study came out to support that because we always talk against processed foods and then we got people who go against us like, eh, it's all about blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, no food is bad food. Yeah, and it's like you're completely negating like, human behavior out of it. Like yeah. all the, the psychology of it, you're totally pretending like that doesn't exist. When right. that's like ninety something uh, percent that's of it, pretty much yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Do you get, what was that show on Netflix? I wanted to talk about that. Sh- that that strongly. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. I just I was just going through that series. I watched the first one. It was in Spain, I believe, and they're doing these these crazy lifts with. Uh, with they basically fashioned their own kind of rocks out of it to where it was like cylinder size, like square. Uh, you know, all these different like types of shapes and they kind of made like a sport out of it. And it's like their own, uh, you know, really popular thing there, which was very, I didn't even know oh, it existed. So I didn't see this. I thought, okay, you, no, I that was the legend series, which I think you were thinking of with Eugene. Sandow. I watched, I watched what you're talking about. I watched that first episode. So yeah. what is that about? They show like different strength sports around the world. Yeah. They show different strength sports, like how different cultures kind of, um, use like a lot of laborious practices, um, you know, like in terms of like tilling the fields and like, you know, farming or uh, in terms of like, uh, uh, what is it called when, when, um, you know, you're a bricklayer or like a, a, you're a stonemason, mm-hmm. like if you're a stonemason. So the, the second one I just watched was uh, it kind of got into the, the history of the Highland Games and then also just like the, the different like historical stones that were like around uh, the country and how um, they had all this like historical significance and like everybody like it was a test of a feat of strength uh, as a warrior. Uh, to be able to lift a certain type of a stone and then place it upon the top of this. Oh, I um, love that shit. Yeah, on the top of this. Oh, I got all like, you know, like sentimental about it because it was like, well, was I it- just traveled there and it was just like, I didn't even know. Like, I was like, oh, fuck. They had these like, 
like like crazy stones in like certain locations, like at this gravesite, at this corner, and it was like it's known that like this stone was like lifted by all these great warriors. And oh, like, that's so awesome! You know, yeah, I totally got into it. That's I, so funny because you know I got when I was sick, uh, someone DM me to. I got a couple people. I always if so if I get enough DMs about one thing, I'll go watch it. Right, and that was another one that I got several DMs. Um, I couldn't quite get into it as much. I obviously know why Justin loves it. Was it Ireland where it was at? That's where it was. It was Scotland. Scotland. Okay, yeah. so, and the the premise that I got from it was just that it's it was showing the history of like way before strongman competitions mm-hmm. and these games even existed. People have been doing this in other countries for a very very long time. So cool. And it's it's so basic. Like one of the one of the ones they have is just this huge block stone, right? And you get this little metal handle yeah. and a chain that yeah. goes to it. And it's just, you drag it one inch at a time. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, and it's like a race from one They're side. just feats of strength. Yeah. But, and, and, and every, almost everything that I saw, or at least what I saw in the, the first episode, I might've watched two um, that I saw were all things that you had to do on the farm, like somewhere else. Like yeah. The, yeah. That's how it became a thing was like, this is shit you got to do anyways. You know, let's see who the best farmer, or the let's best, see who the strongest and most able-bodied person is to do this. Yeah, and, yeah, and then it like it catapulted. Um, God, I'm trying to remember the name of these two very famous stones, the ones you're talking about with the handles on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people from all over the world have come over there to try and lift these two stones. Wow. So I have a special place in my heart for these types of things. I first off, I love seeing old cultures and their 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 feats of strength in their sports that are kind of unknown. And what I find that's fascinating is you find these types of events in a lot of countries. There's a lot of countries that do these types of things. And when, you know, part of the reason why I have a special, the special place is when I went to Sicily to visit my, my, my dad's side of the family, when I was 12, my grandfather told me about all the feats of strength that him and his friends and stuff would perform and it's funny because he would tell me and then some of his old friends would tell me about the things that he would do. And the way that they would do these, a lot of for a long time, my grandfather tended, The Dinny Stones, I'm sorry. My, my, my grandfather tended to uh, lemon orchards. So, so Sicily's known for growing lots of lemons. So my grandfather would go manage some of these and help pick them or whatever. And he would talk about how many, how many uh, uh, what do they call, pallets of lemons they could lift. And, oh, your grandfather lifted four. He could lift four on his head and carry them all the way up the hill. And other people couldn't do that. And it became this big deal. And I find this stuff. My dad, is uh, he's, he gets into this kind of stuff. So when I used to go work with him, you would see at lunchtime, him and his workers would take a shovel and they'd hold it by the very end of the handle. So it's a big, heavy shovel. And the goal was to lift it with your arm totally straight. And then they'd be able to do it sometimes. And then what they'd do is they'd put like sand in the shovel mm-hmm. and see if they could do it and who could do the most. Or they get a sledgehammer. This one's actually quite common where you hold a sledgehammer at arm's oh, length. Yeah, yeah. And then you either tilt with your wrist. You, you tilt it and you touch your nose I've, with it and I've come up. I've done that one, yeah. So if you're not strong, you're going to smash your face. You'll end up smashing <laughs> your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Um, and I, I love these types of feats of strength because I find them so just so bonding and so fun. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's also, I mean, God, when you think about what we do, you know, uh, for a living and, and what we've done for a living for so long, and teach other people how to lift dumbbells and barbells long before all that this is how it started yeah you know before a barbell or a dumbbell was created 
some asshole took a tool and touched it to his nose and mm. was like, oh, yeah. That you got a be. tool he had available. Right. I bet, I bet guaranteed they did things, which is crazy how we just are as humans that we just found these things to compete with each other. And then somebody probably got competitive and wanted to get good at it. So training began. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah like, these Denny stones is crazy because uh, you have to like – you have to hold them together, and so it's like the only way you can do it is in this kind of split stance. Oh, I've seen it one in fat, yeah. front, one in back. Yeah, and so you lift it up almost like in, in kind of a lunging position, and then you try and shuffle forward. And so the, apparently this Denny guy was able to take it across this bridge and back. And so there, that was like the whole thing was the distance of how not only do you pick it up, but he would like carry it with him and then like set it down, pick it up, carry it with him. It was like... 340 something kilograms which was like over well over 600 pounds each stone so it's just like it's insane have you what are there any feats of strength that you guys have ever witnessed besides like professional strength athletes you guys ever witness any feats of strength with like where you, i know you guys have worked blue collar and farm you ever see anything where someone's doing something and you go to try to do it and you're like what the fuck I can't uh, even move that thing. You, yeah. my dad could do some really cool stuff uh, my stepdad um like the way he'd carry like two by fours up flights of stairs or across like beams on top of there that always blew. It was already heavy as mm -hmm. it was. And then he could balance it on his shoulder with like no hands as he scaled across like the <laughs> framework cool. of the, of the building. Yeah. And then he used to do this thing and this is less of well, it is some strength, strength and skill here. He used to take uh, 16 inch penny nails and he'd take a roll of them in his hands like this and he'd make a, a tight fist. And this was, I remember when he was teaching me, you know, he, we'd be somewhere and all I had to do was, you know, two nail, two 16 inch penny nails, to the to the to the roof and then move the next you know two by four and two inch mm -hmm. penny nails and and I mean I it would take me a half hour just to work like one little side of this you know I mean I tap it in and then you you know clink 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 anyway so he would come over and it's two hits one to set the nail and Boom. one to sink it yep. set sink set sink just ding, 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 and, ding, and ding. yeah I wa I I would watch him do what just took me a half hour. Mm -hmm. To do, I would see him do that in literally less just than a minute. Perfected the process. Oh, and yeah, yeah. and just perfect. And yeah. it was like, whoa. And as a kid, I've I was that too, yeah. so impressed by that, that ability to do that because I've been, and still to this day, if I ever have to hammer, and I don't have to do it a lot, but if I have to hammer a nail, and I, I always think of that memory of like, fucking, fuck my dad, dude. Just, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just think of this one down. Yeah, just think of this one nail, and it takes me 15 minutes where he could just, it's one, it's a tap to set and then a sink. And it's like, that's the strength. Yeah. You don't realize that, that short in the forearm to be able to bury a 16-inch oh, penny nail well, into a, a, a two-by-four? Yeah, I've seen a guy that played football with me. Uh, there was this car that was, like, kind of blocking another car, and we're like, ah, oh, fuck, we need to get a bunch of guys, and we're going to move this thing. And he's just like, ah, and just went over there, picked it up, and started sliding it himself and, like, moved it over. And then we all, like, tried to lit. We're like, oh, that must be, a, like, a light car. It was not a fucking light car, dude. <laughs> like, that was, a, like, a legit, like, like one-ton car. You That's know? hilarious. I was, like, so <laughs> baffled by that. Yeah, no, my uh, my dad still to this day, and, you know, I have a little bit of his, it, it, kind of his, his, his strength, I guess, for size, but I don't have 100% of what my dad has. My brother has more of it. You guys, you guys met my brother in Vegas, right? And you know, my brother—he's a big guy. He's a big dude. Yeah, he's a big kid. He doesn't lift weights, and he'll come in here and he'll squat three plates and bench two plates like nothing. And but he doesn't even work out. He just rides. He rides his bike for distance. That's what he does. Yeah. He rides like literally 50, 60 miles on a weekend or something silly like that. And he's got more of what my dad. My dad used to used to trip me out. And when I was a kid, I thought I'd be able to do what he did. When I got older, I still can't. I'll never forget one time. 
I was, uh, I want to say I was 16 years old. I'm in the backyard and I, for the first time ever, was able to clean an overhead press 135 pounds with the barbell. For a 16-year-old kid, that's fucking strong, right? But I had been working out already for two years. So I was waiting for my dad to come home from work. Like, I'm going to show my dad. He's going to be so proud of me or whatever. So he walks in. He's tired, right? It's like 5 o'clock at night. He's got cement all over him, whatever. And I'm like, hey, come here. I'm like, look what I can do. And I fucking clean it. And then I, you know, I boost it. And I press it up. And then I drop it. And he's like, whoa. He goes, that's really good. He goes, let me try that out. And the fucker cleaned it with one hand. He cleaned it up to it like a snatch. It wasn't even like a press. He just fucking snatched it up with one hand. And then years and then years later, and I can't do that now. I still can't do that. Years later, I was probably this is probably I want to say seven or eight years ago. So my dad's not like a young guy at all, and he's got arthritis in his spine and this and that. And the other. He came into my personal training studio because uh, we were going to have lunch, and he's asking me how much the kettlebells weigh. And I said, oh, this one's, you know, 25 because they were in kilos. I just 25. This one's, this one's 78 pounds, I think, was the, was the bigger one. And, uh, and he says, can you press that? You know, can you lift that above your head? So I do a one-arm press with it. And it's pretty heavy for me. I'm not a huge overhead press guy. And so, my, and so then my dad goes, you ever try to push it, press it while, it while it's upside down? He goes, oh, yeah, that's a, called a bottoms-up press. I said, I can't do more than 30 pounds like that. That's a hard – I mean, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Right? Yeah, you hold yeah. it by the handle. Again, he does it with – and he was in his – yeah, he was, you know, fifty something years old. He did it with the fucking seventy-eight pound kettlebell in front of all my trainers, <laughs> and all my trainers are looking at me like, "What the fuck?" An and everybody strength. goes and tries to do it, and we couldn't do it. And th- those are some of my favorite, you know, my favorite things. I'll remember those. Forever, remember when you, know? you used to think that like old man strength was like a myth? Like no, it's did- real. Oh, it's yeah, very it's totally real. No, it's very real. And I, until I really started to understand how the CNS works, and I know there's still a lot of things that we don't know about it. But we know enough about it and, and the importance of its role that it makes total sense that old man strength is a real thing. It's because you've trained a certain way. You've done so many things for so many years yeah. that your CNS, when it calls and you a- refine those movements and systems like so long that yeah. it's like that, that, that well established. Right? Oh, yeah. It's a good time. This quaz brought to you by Organifi. For those days you fall short on getting your organic veggies or whole food nutrition, Organifi fills the gap with laboratory-tested certified organic superfoods to help give your health and performance the added edge. Try Organifi totally risk-free for 60 days by going to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And use the coupon code MINDPUMP for 20% off at checkout. Our first question is from Tiki Tacky Talk. Can you please go over the pros and cons of full body workout programming versus body part splits? Uh, the age old debate. The debate between the full body and the body part split. You know, there's. Mm. I think what we have to do is kind of talk about uh, the biggest differences between them. Now, I've, I'm, I'm typically partial to full body workouts. Because uh, in my experience, uh, working with lots of just everyday people, um, you know, who want to build muscle strength, burn body fat, just everyday people, the full body workouts are much more often than not more successful. And, and I yeah. think there's a couple reasons why. Uh, one of the main reasons is the amount of frequency that you hit a body part. So when you do a full body workout, they, the, the typical full body split is a three day a week workout. So you go to the gym. You know, classic, right? Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Each of those days, you're working out your entire body, and really, what that looks like is hitting each body part three times a week. 
Now the traditional body part splits, the more the popular body part splits are where you take a body part, one or two body parts, you train it on one day, then the next day you train one or two other body parts and so on. And those usually allow for once a week body part frequency at the most two times a week. And that's becoming more popular nowadays, but for a long time there, yeah. it was all about hitting a body part once a week. So it was literally Well, I think that's why we came out you know, we came out so much more in opposition to splits initially because it was that was still the old formula. It was like once a week we're going to just hammer our legs as much as we can to carry us throughout the entire week, and uh, and then like split the the muscle groups accordingly. So you only hit it basically once, maybe twice a week. But. Yeah, and, and we we can measure the muscle building process um, post exercise uh, w- by measuring something called muscle protein synthesis, and when that's elevated. It's a really good indication that your body is is synthesizing protein and building. It's primed to grow, building muscle, and that signal spikes right after a workout, but then it falls pretty quickly. And in in for normal for normal intermediate you know beginners, that falls at about uh, forty eight to seventy two hours. For advanced people, that can fall so uh, right after twenty four hours. So it peaks and then goes down real quick. And what what ends up happening is if you hit your chest on Monday, uh, only on Mondays. Even though you may have damaged the hell out of the pecs and you're sore, that muscle building signal is da- it's gone after Wednesday. It's right. it's pretty much done. And then what ends up happening is when that muscle building signal is gone, the body usually starts to go in the opposite and then it starts to take muscle away. And so this is why people get trapped in that whole you know tear down uh, you know process where they go to the gym, they hit their body parts real hard, they get real sore, they recover full full week, they go back to the gym, they work out real hard, get real sore, yeah. and they do this over and over and over again, never getting stronger. The breakdown ne- recovery trap. Yeah, well, never progressing. I, I think the the real takeaway from the the difference of these two is what you just hit on, and that it's not that it's a full body versus a split. It's that one of them tends to have much higher frequency than the other, mm-hmm. and that was the big takeaway for me when I when I switched from a split type of routine versus a full body routine is now I was hitting all these muscles three times a week. And even if I did that like occasionally, because I had done this previously, like I would do, you know, back when I was originally getting started as a personal trainer and we were reading all the same magazines we talk about, I was doing a body part split. And then basically hitting every muscle once, maybe twice, but then there'd be like a muscle group I really wanted to focus on. And so I would try and increase the the volume on that. And sometimes that meant more frequency on that. And I'd see a little bit of development, but then what would happen is my consistency would drop and then I would, I would not be sustaining that size anymore to kind of go back. And it, it never really, it didn't click for me yet. Like the, the secret to that. And also when you make the switch, and this is where I think a lot of people struggle, is when you make the switch from a body part split, which I think a lot or a majority of people tend to gravitate towards, when you make the switch over to the full body, you something that's very key is you have to now adjust your intensity. And the previous times that I tried to make my way over to a full body routine, I made the mistake of trying to carry over a, a workout volume uh, that was equal uh, to my all in one workout. Oh yeah, all in one workout. And so what would happen is I would, you know, because I had trained myself to hammer a muscle so hard that I'd go, okay, I'm gonna do like this full body routine today. But then I was hammering each muscle, and then I was incredibly sore. And then I had to come back two days later 
and hit a lot of those muscles again. And I'm like, fuck, I'm so sore. It's hindering. And, I, and then I was like, this doesn't make sense. This isn't for me. And I kind of gave up on it. I didn't think that the body part or full body routine was uh, as good as the split for that reason. The problem was I wasn't modifying my intensity. So I think that whatever camp you're in right now that you believe that it's the best, uh, first of all, like I always say on this show, more than likely the best thing for you is actually the opposite of what you're doing right now because you're probably pretty adapted to whatever it is you're doing. So I don't care if you think you respond better to splits or you think you respond better to full bodies. If you've been running one or the other for a very long time, the opposite probably right now is one of the best things you could do. Now, the problem is whichever direction you're going, whether you're going from a split to a full body, if you're going from a split to a full body, you need to learn to back off the intensity. And then if you're a full body person and you're going to a split every muscle, you're probably going to have to pick up the intensity because you're only going to get to hit that muscle once, maybe twice in a week. So The other thing too to to consider with uh, hitting more a body part more frequently or doing a full body is the exercise selections tends to change. Uh, So again, if I'm hitting my chest and I'm doing... 15 sets for chest, and I only hit my chest on, on Mondays. Let's make up, let, let's think of all the exercises I'm going to do for those 15 sets. Right, well, you're going to have two or three badass ones, and yeah, then the rest are fillers. Yeah, I'm probably going to do my bench press and my incline press, but then I'm pretty fatigued by that point, so it's going to be a bunch of machines and cable, cable exercises size, to yeah. make up those 15 sets. Now, uh, versus hitting chest three days a week and doing five sets each day, so remember, to- same total volume, so I'm still doing 15 sets for the week. The difference is now I've split up the workout. Well, when I go into the gym and I know I only have five sets, I'm going to pick the big gross motor movements. I'm going to pick the big bang for the buck type exercises. And so people also tend to do more of the effective exercises because they have more energy in their gas tank. They have, they're not as, as, as fried uh, as they would be with uh, a, t- a typical body part split. The other thing to consider is this, you know, there is this, there, most of the, the stimulus that you get from a workout is localized um, and focused on the area that you're working. So if I work out my legs, most of the muscle building stimulus goes to my legs, okay? But we do know that there's also this systemic effect. And mm-hmm. for, for people who've never worked out their legs, and then all of a sudden they work out their legs, first thing that they'll notice is that arms grow too. Like, what the heck's going on? I, I'm doing everything else the same except I just threw in some leg exercises now my chest, arms, and back are growing. I feel like, uh, mm-hmm. and I would love to look this up, but the law of radiation, like right. it, yeah, ir- irradiation, I should say, uh, you know, covers a lot of that just because it, it, it helps to explain how other muscles are still contracting and stabilizing and also like contributing even though your your main focus is the legs. Well, they, they've known this for a long time with, with studies where if they'll have people exercise one arm, most of the strength gains will go to that one arm, but some of, some strength gains will actually go to the other arm, even though the other arm hasn't been exercised. And so what is, how does that apply here with, the, with full body over split? Well, when you're working your full body, you are sending the loudest overall muscle-building, anabolic, you know, central nervous system signal because you've trained the entire body in that day. If you're in the gym and you're only hitting your chest, shoulder, and shoulders – um, you're not going to get as loud of a systemic muscle building effect. And so, you know, look, here, my best estimation is this. If I were to take 10 normal uh, people who all want to build muscle, eight of them will do better on a full body routine. I would say a full 80% just do best on a traditional three-day-a-week, uh, hit the whole body, 
one or two exercises per body part type of routine. Now, there's a lot more complexity in that. Of course, exercise selection and tempo and how you phase your workouts. And then, of course, if you want to go and really have something that's programmed even even better, then you have you know programs like MAPS. That uh, Most of our MAPS programs tend to be full body. Although we did write a split routine because there is some benefit to maybe backing off a little bit on the frequency. So rather than hitting the body parts three days a week, right. you're hitting them twice a week, but you're doing more volume within that workout. Uh, I think Adam hit the nail on the head. Um, you, you stick to one for long enough, you go to the other one, you start to notice some benefit. Right. That, and that's why I think we created this second program. And, and I would love to challenge the people that are listening right now that are in one of those camps to go outside of that. And we do. We have a program on both sides. I mean, most of the programs are based, like, you know, Maps Green, Red, um, and black are all based around the full body type of routine, but we did create split for that reason that, you know, it, it's, if you've been running a full body for most of your life or most of your training career, or even in the last year or two consistently, and you've made your way through like red, green, and black, I would highly recommend going to a split and seeing how your body responds and vice versa. If you're somebody who's been living in the split forever, I think one of the best things that you can do is go to a full body routine and and do that for a while and see see how your body re- responds. The the thing that just reminding you of the biggest thing that I've had to coach to is the intensity. It's got to both of them have to change no matter what direction you're going. You you got to modify that. Either you're ramping it up for somebody who is uh, dropping down to less frequency, or or you're uh, in de- decreasing it for somebody who's doing it more often. Right. Next question is from Kristen AML. What are your best tips for focusing on the mind muscle connection? Mind muscle connection. So this refers to your ability to <clears throat> isolate or contract and feel a particular muscle. Well, um, that's why I think isolation exercises are great for this. There, that's the if, best. If I'm gonna, yeah, way. if I'm gonna nail it down to like where the focus should lie, it's now. Let's let's consider single joint movements. Oh, absolutely. I, I remember, uh, you know, when I was younger, it was really hard. The last part of my body I was able to really feel when I worked out was my back. Um, I, I could feel everything else, uh, you know, after about a year of working out, I could feel my chest when I bench pressed, I could feel my shoulders when I do overhead presses and of course, uh, quads and hamstrings and glutes when I do certain leg exercises. But when I would do back exercises, it was kind of hard to feel. Part of the reason is I think we don't see those muscles contracting. Um, looking at a muscle, by the way, really helps with the mind muscle connection. Mm-hmm. So I remember I do things like pull-ups and rows and you know, I, I, I feel a lot of my biceps and my forearms, and I, I knew I was working my back, but I couldn't really connect to it. Um, and the, the first time I ever felt my lats was when I did uh, a superset where I did dumbbell pullovers, which is generally a, a, an isolation exercise for the, for the lats, um, much more so than, let's say, a row or a pull-up. And then I went straight to pull-ups, and then all of a sudden, I could feel a pump in my lats. Now, once I felt my lats... Then I could feel them more with each subsequent exercise. And I, I want to make that point because some studies have shown that priming a muscle before a lift does not activate it more. Uh, however, they are taking they're they're completely negating the psychology of the of why you prime a muscle before you in order to feel it more. Like if I have a client who's doing squats a particular way and she's like, I don't feel my glutes, then I do a bunch of isolation exercises so her glutes get really really, so, really, uh, you know, start to burn and get a little bit of pump. Then she does squats. Now she can feel what her glutes are doing. That's going to help her connect 
to right. the glutes during some of these exercises. It's going to affect her mechanics in that exercise because she can feel the process of that where the recruitment of it is is contributing. And I think that that matters, you know, in, in terms of like if it's all quad driven, like and you're going down into a squat, the limitation of maybe your depth or, uh, you know, even it'll affect all those things. Like just having that that connection, that that feeling of, of responsiveness from where you're supposed to feel it, you know, and muscles contributing. I, I have a couple thoughts on this. I, th- I think that it, I think it really doesn't matter. And I think it matters a lot. So I think it doesn't really matter if you're somebody who doesn't really care as much about aesthetics and trying to sculpt and shape your body because you can, for the rest of your life, get under a bench press, muscle it up and not try and isolate your chest and your shoulders will contribute a lot, your triceps, your back contributes a lot, and you're going to build muscle. You're going to burn calories, you'll burn fat, you'll build muscle, you'll build a stronger, stable stable body. But what I really enjoyed about competing was the aspect of almost sculpting your physique. And for example, I can take a lat pull down and I can make a lat pull down super focused like on my rear delts by keeping my shoulders in a rolled forward position, yet it looks to the average person totally normal. But because I, I allow the scapula to roll forward and keep it forward while I'm doing the lat pull down, my rear delts take over a majority of that movement. Now, some of my back still kind of works and my arms are working too. But because of that, it's going to start to develop my rear delts more than my last. And then I can take that same exercise and just purely retract my shoulders. And now most of the lats take over. Now think about that. If you do that every single time you work out, you can start to develop parts of your body more so than others. And you can take exercises and you can make them be more for a certain muscle than another muscle, even Mm. though the body doesn't isolate a single muscle. So even when we talk about isolation exercises, it's impossible to isolate a muscle your your body uh, will always be using uh, an antagonist yeah. and there'll also be other secondary it, it muscles affects quite a bit more right and studies will show that uh, you can use more of one muscle over another simply by knowing how to feel that right. muscle more yeah i can do a row uh and i could you know barely grab the bar have a lightweight make it feel so heavy because i don't engage my biceps i can actually yeah. do a row Without engaging my biceps. I can make a row more rhomboid dominant, and then I can make a row more lat dominant. Or more bicep dominant. Right. Right. You can, well, I, yeah, I just look at it as like, do I want to build my body off of like compensations and get excellent off of like what I can already compensate and make happen? You know, I could get this weight up without like, you know, any certain like specific pathway that's like the most optimal. Or can I build my body off of like the most optimal mechanics involved with that process and really connect to that process? Yeah. And you know, look, there is a general, I think, benefit to being able to connect to your muscles. It gives you really good body awareness. It really does. I mean, I, I've done, I'm not by any stretch of the imagination, a flexible uh, individual. Um, I've done yoga classes, maybe a grand total of 15 times in my entire life. And, but when I do do yoga, which is very, very seldom, um, I've, instructors have commented that I have really good body awareness, even though I'm tight and I'm not able to get in certain positions, they could just tell me to move a particular muscle or, you know, squeeze this or activate that. And I know how to do it. I have really good body awareness because I've been focusing so hard on muscle mind, uh, on mind muscle connection for so long. Now, so, so I do think there's some benefits. And of course, if you're listening, cause you want to you sculpt your body and, and focus on an area, that's where the real value lies. Now, here's some tips. Um, isolation exercises, 
uh, at the beginning of your workout. Now, this isn't the most effective way to build muscle, but this is a great way to feel the muscle that you're not feeling. And so in that particular scenario, I would, en- I would tell people, do your isolation exercises first in the workout. Like if you don't feel your chest when you bench press, do some really good slow flies then go bench press, you're going to feel your chest. That's, this question would have been better asked if it was more specific to an exercise because we could talk all day yeah. on this topic, but I could give you even more specific answers if you said, hey, Adam, I'm having a real hard time connecting to my triceps. I'm having a real hard time feeling my chest when I work out. Hey, Adam, I'm having a really hard time feeling my lats. And then I could give you specific exercises that I think you should do before we start the right. normal routine. Because if you have a hard time engaging your lats and you do like you know really heavy bent over rows that's a that's not a great exercise for someone who's having a hard time utilizing their lats in a movement mm-hmm. like that i would start them in a, a like a single arm cable row where i can have them really exa- exaggerate the movement go really light another tip i like to give somebody when they're when we're trying to isolate or feel or get a better connection to a, a smaller or a specific muscle is to go really really light and and then pause at the end rep uh, at the end of the rep. So whatever I'm trying to feel, I I, I got to wait so light that I can kind of pause and hold in that position and just squeeze and just squeeze the muscle I'm trying to think about. The one that I want to work, I'm going to just really squeeze it and think about it with that. And it's hard to do that with a heavy weight or a weight that you have mm-hmm. to keep a tempo that is a faster cadence, do something that's so light mm. that you can pause in that area and think about that yeah, muscle. Very slow tempo. Ben Pikulski actually pointed that out. He said that the the place where people have the, the worst connection to muscles that are lagging or whatever is at the short and contracted position. Mm-hmm. So it's the squeeze uh, that's most important. But I, I, I'd say isolation exercises first. Adam gave a great tip. Go light. Focus on the squeeze. The other thing is look at the muscle you're trying to work. So if you're working... Mirrors do help in this situation. Yes, watch them. So even if I'm bench pressing, look down at your chest and watch your chest work. It actually helps. Mm. Um, If you have a training partner, have them place a finger or two on the muscles you're trying to work. Getting that touch feedback helps tremendously. I used to do this with clients uh, all the time. Um, And uh, I think think that's it. I think that's all. Oh, and also, lastly, if you go on Google and look up the action, what is the main action of a muscle... Once you understand the main action, you can envision what the muscle's doing as you're moving. So if I know that the pecs bring my humerus, which is the top of my arm, closer to the midline of my body, mm-hmm. I know what part of the bench press I need to focus on. It's not the pushing up the bar. It's the bringing it's the, the elbows in part of the bar. In. Mm-hmm. Yep. Next question is from Dill's Law. What are your thoughts on lifting weights while pregnant? Hell yeah. The best possible. That is one of the best things you could do while you're pregnant is, yeah. is lift weights. It's... Uh, you know, maintain that strength and ability that you've put in. There are issues with uh, insulin. Um, sen- there's insulin sensitivity issues that can happen with women when they're pregnant. And muscle is one of the greatest protections against having those issues. You want to have that muscle. Dr. You- Dr. Lyon's episode is live, right? It's already up, right, Doug? Yes. Yes. Okay. So it's uh, it's up. That's a great episode. We touch on this and that. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, she talks a, a lot about that. And, you know, th- obviously Katrina and I discuss this a lot. And I think it's crazy. I mean, Sal recommended the the business of birthing or whatever it was. That yeah, I, the, yeah, the, the business mm-hmm. of being born. And and one of the things that I remember my buddy who just, him and his wife just had their kids. There's two of them. And, and they talk about, you know, when she gets, it's the epidural, right? That numbs them. Yeah. So when they got the epidural, it com- she says like, all of a sudden I couldn't feel my lower part of my body. 
And so right away, knowing what I know about like mind-muscle connection and being able to activate a muscle, if you can't feel it because it's numb, it's really tough to activate it and fire it or know if you are squeezing or fire it. So it's crazy to me that we do that. And you have somebody who's an average person who probably takes off training during pregnancy or they don't train at all even before pregnancy. And so they have a really bad disconnect there right? as far as those internal muscles in the abdominal region and area in the pelvic floor. And then you ask them to push. Okay, that's already challenging enough. And then you give them a drug that numbs that? Like, are you kidding me? So yeah. I think the, the, the training, you know, when you're pregnant is – and she talks about this in that episode – uh, you know, around those muscles during that time is extremely important because you want to be able to strengthen the pelvic yeah. floor. You work on your core while you can as the baby grows. You're not going to be able to do core exercises. Right. Strengthen your hips and your legs. Another thing that happens when you get pregnant is certain hormones start to uh, improve or increase flexibility yeah. um, in your joints. And, and your hips uh, get a lot more flexible because they have to. They do. And now here's the problem with that: if you're not strong. And you all of a sudden become more flexible. <clears throat> now you make you increase your risk of uh, of hurting yourself. And so you see a lot of women hurt their backs or their hips start to bother them. You want to be strong. Mm -hmm. You want to be really, really strong. Um, it, and it also <clears throat> is good for the baby. Obviously, being healthy and being able to respond well to insulin and carbohydrates uh, while you're eating, uh, you know, while you're pregnant, all these things benefit the baby as well. But at the end of the day, if you watch a birth, uh, I've seen two of them. Um, and especially if it's a, uh, more natural birth, that is a, it's a, it's a, it's a long thing. It's a hard, yeah. long thing. And you want to be strong for that process. But besides all that, besides the actual process of giving birth and all that, if you want your body to bounce back, um, I can't think of anything better that you can do uh, than lifting weights. I've had s lots of female trainers that have worked for me and I've had uh, quite a few of them while they were working with me, uh, for me, get pregnant. I've also had aerobics instructors in some of the gyms that I've managed get pregnant. And the difference between the trainers that are just, that like to lift a lot of weights, the difference in speed and how fast they bounce back versus oh, yeah. the... It's very significant. Oh, it's crazy. Oh, look at our, you know, our girl, Grace Barga. I mean, you guys want to see someone who's like popped out the kids and then like right back to Two her. months later, she looks like she didn't even yeah, have Yeah, right. Primo physique right after. I mean, we had her shoot the the MAPS program. What yeah. was it? She wasn't that far that the long. She was like one years old. Yeah, yeah, not even. I don't think when she yeah, first shot with us. Not even one yet. Yeah. And that a lot of that, I remember watching her videos why, you know, she was, you know, deep into her pregnancy and squatting and overhead pressing and rowing and still training. Because the key is, and I think the mistake that happens is I think most people are re realizing the importance of training while they're pregnant. Mm -hmm. But then what they, the, the problem is a lot of them weren't doing it before. And then now they're like, serious, I'm having a That's kid. That's not the time to go it's, get it's, crazy shape. It's not. And what I'm learning about what Katrina's <laughs> going through right now firsthand, uh, the first trimester is, it's crazy. you know. Mm -hmm. and, and it made me feel good after we talked to uh, Dr. Lyon because she was talking about how you know, she's missed consistent, never missed more than two days in a row before. And she's like, I can't believe how fatigued I am. I can't believe how nauseous I am. She's like, this first trimester has been so hard. It's interesting to see, especially with a lot of type A people or who people are really on it all the time, like how that first trimester really knocks them on their back. Like, yeah. Katrina's, Katrina has struggled with, because she's normally super consistent and she's been pretty good. I mean, she's making it in there, but 
I mean, I can tell that she's. You just she, don't feel like it. Yeah, she just doesn't feel like it, no. and and I'm I'm really patient with that. Like, I don't yeah. want to be telling her what she needs to do. She needs to listen to her body. You know, all that, all those factors need to apply. And like you said, it's not about like trying to improve. It's about like maintaining the strength and, and the abilities, and like that's what you want to carry in with you. Yeah, I've, I've I'm always it always blows me away. I've also had lots of clients that I've trained before, during, and after pregnancy. Actually. Uh, over the last 15 years, I've trained about five of them. I'm still in contact. Their, their, their kids call me Uncle Sal now because they were literally, you know, I, I trained their mom while they're pregnant and then they were born. Then they bring their kid in so I could swing their baby in the chair or hold them while their mom worked out. Mm. Um, and I used to do this all the time. I used to love doing it. But their their moms would bounce back so quick. And it was so funny. Every single one of them told me how shocked their doctors were. Like, man, my doctor can't believe I'm, I'm already working out and I already look the way I do. And it's like, it's the strength training, man. All Every single one of them worked out two or three days a week with me. Like None of them were these hardcore fitness fanatics. We yeah. just built a really strong base with weights. Um, and so it makes a tremendous, tremendous difference. It's the first number one thing I recommend to pregnant women is before you get pregnant, develop a good base with weights yeah. and then maintain lifting weights throughout the entire pregnancy uh, as long as you can, of course. Don't hurt yourself and don't push yourself beyond what you can do. Um, and then you'll be, you'll be blown away how fast you bounce back. Next question is from ebraga06. Can you speak about the Brittany Dawn fitness scam? Oh, wow. I've been getting a bunch of DMs around Dude, this. Dude, so I feel like the we're at the beginning of a huge social media in, uh, like uh, influencer backlash. I yeah. feel like fire. Fire, fire exposed fire, a lot. I, I think that started a little bit of a trend. And I think people now are starting to give or sort of there's backlash because well, even before that, I mean, look at and I, and I don't know how much we played a role in this or not, but like you saw like, uh, you know, not not Joy Schwal, but the Devin Physiques, I think that got exposed in terms of like the the coaching and, uh, you know, the promise of all these things not getting delivered. And there's this huge backlash for that. And then you saw that sort of trickle out amongst influencers. Yeah, she she now she has a huge Instagram page, like half a million people and on all her platforms is something like 800,000. And apparently what she did is she sold all these fitness programs and she promised them to be individualized and they weren't. Um, she promised to be in contact with people and she wasn't, and people were just not happy at all with what they were getting. And they, I guess they formed a group, um, uh, and there was a YouTube video and now it's blowing up. And you know, I think she's getting singled out because she's not the only scammer. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah. There's a Come shit on. ton of them. I think she's being made an example of, to be quite honest. But uh, I, I, I don't even. It's just like consumer beware, you know. Like this, this is the kind of type of stuff. It's like you got to ask yourself, like, I, why was I buying this? I, and I don't even know if. I mean, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt, so I don't even know if this is like as much of a scamming thing as it is. You think you've got this great idea? You take sexy pictures of yourself in front of your car in your bikini. People want to look like you. You say cool little motivational stuff. You grow your following to a half a million or a million people. And you see that people buy digital workout programs online and you can make a lot of money doing it and you start doing it. And you think that you can provide a service. And because you've probably never built a legitimate business or at least that legitimate business and know what that 
entails like and then oh, the floodgates open up yeah, and you don't know how to scale exactly i think yeah. that's what happened i think that's what happened to devin physique i think that yeah. he was onboarding so many people that they probably had the the best of intentions like oh i'm going to create custom plans and i'm going to talk to all of them they're just too stupid to realize like oh what happens when five thousand people right. buy this oh shit i need like a whole team to do this yeah, yeah. what what's going to happen and then what ends up happening is they're probably just giving people whatever they can to just to give them something and they're scrambling to stay alive and I think you're right dude I think that's just poor poor management poor leadership poor business Uh, just they don't understand that and that's we're in this world now of uh, of this Instagram and Insta famous where I mean I get it now on a very regular basis I was just talking to somebody via DM and they were asking me, hey, you know, I was should I get a certification if I'm just going to be an online coach? And I was like, wow, this is crazy. You know, like this is this is happening where that's nobody the, they don't even do like it in so backwards, right? It's like like a backwards right. of the of the pyramid. Like, like not only are you considering not getting a national certification, it's upside down, right? Not yeah. only not not are you, not only are you considering not being educated in in this arena, but then in addition to that, you're going to just skip the whole process of what it would be yeah. like to coach somebody in person. Well, and like, go, look, dude, I'm popular, you know, and I can sell. So why don't I just do that? that? Exactly, that's what's happening, and I think we're seeing it like crazy, and it was inevitable that it would get there would be a backlash i mean i remember even i mean today people ask us i just uh turned this down again on the forum like how come you guys don't uh do nutrition program well you know why because we're smart enough to know what scaling that would look like we cannot handle that yeah do you know what it would take to customize a real nutrition plan i know what it takes every time because you know why i've done fucking tons of them when i've sat down and wrote a custom meal plan for someone you have to modify that you it, it takes tracking on their end tracking on your end I mean, we're trying to, to reach the tens of thousands and millions of people, even with the staff that we have, we couldn't do a good enough job for these people. So we've stayed out of that arena. Like we don't want to go there because we know that we couldn't fulfill the needs of all those people. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, you're also seeing now on Instagram when people post, I just started seeing this now, well, no post like a, a mention they have to put on on in there that it's a sponsored ad. Yeah. Whereas before they didn't have to do that because I think they're they're afraid of being liable, mm-hmm. which is fine. This is all a market response. What I don't want to see is regulation around this. Like I don't want to see, you know, because I could hear people being like, you know, we should, there should be a regulatory agency that you know you have to pass yeah, this in order to body for all this stuff. Yeah. Well, I don't I don't feel sorry for people when you get scammed. I'm sorry. Yeah. This and and maybe this is where I I know I lack empathy, but if you are allowing some girl who you've never met in your life who takes pictures in front of her Range Rover and in her bikini and because she has a before and after picture and you just based off of that, you're going to ask nutritional guidance and advice and you're going to ask training advice. I mean, shame on you. It's the same I'm, thing for me. I'm sorry. Tell, tell uh, evangelist. You just you. I'm sorry, but you deserve what you get. You pay yeah. for what you get. You know what I'm saying? And that's all you were looking for for qualification. Like, ah, uh, I don't feel sorry for people that fall into these scams. I want if I'm going to pay for a service, it's no different. Like, if we, there's a picture of a guy right on Instagram. And he's in a lab coat and he has a stethoscope and he just takes all these cool pictures of like checking heartbeats all the time. And so then all of a sudden I'm asking him medical questions mm-hmm. and I gave him a bunch of money to solve some medical For $300, pro- I'll do heart surgery. Right. And <laughs> just, right. You know, say, are you kidding me? Like, oh, that's not deal. enough. That's not enough for me yeah. to take well, that kind it's of advice. Well, it's, it's people are starting to understand uh, what social authority, the distortions of social authority. Like in right. the past, 
in the past, if you knew that there were half a million people who were following and listening and attending to somebody's words, that usually meant that they were good. That's what it usually meant. True, true. Yeah. Today, and that's what's confusing, is like you see someone, well, they have all these followers, they're making these good videos. They have the blue check. And so yeah. it looks, it, it's... it's They look awesome, so that's something. It's distorting our, our, our understanding of real authority. So it's like, well, they look legit. They have all these people. Well, no, it's different now. It's a different world now. Now... Well, if you want half a million followers, you just got to be kind of hot, post some ass shots. It, it, and, it's different know. and it's the same still because something is still true. And that is, you know, people buy from people they like. And some of these Instagram influencers have done a really good job of being likable. Yeah. You know, I'm cute. I, I just say, wish they'd stick with the pet rock. You know what I mean? <laughs> like do something like that that's not going to like harm people. It's there. It's it's. We're going to see a backlash. It's not going to last very long. I they're, agree. They're, the, the people making money doing this, it's not going to last that long. People are starting to... Social media is new enough, mm. and all the stuff is new enough that people haven't learned their lesson. Five or ten years, you're not going to have a career unless you're really providing good value. My advice to people are this. Look, if you want... First of all, uh, the best thing to do is if you're referred by somebody who's already had a service from that person, they say it's good. That's the best. But if that, if that can't happen... Look at the content that they're producing. Look at the stuff that they're providing. Are they already providing you with a tremendous amount of value that's free? Because the more free, good quality information and value that you get from someone, the more likely that they're probably going to put time, energy, and effort into the thing that's paid for. You see what I'm saying? Like if a person has a YouTube channel, they've got blogs, they're offering you free guides, you look at their information, like, wow, this is really, really good, and you're absorbing all this free stuff, and they're putting a lot of hard work into it, then the odds it might be a little higher that they might be kind of legit. And of course, you could take it a step further. What are the qualifications? What have they done? Who have they worked with? Are they certified? Are they experienced? Do they have a degree? I mean, all that other you know normal stuff. Um, and then, and then kind of take it from there. But we're in a, in a strange time, man. It's a strange time. There's a there's a lot of pages with millions of followers that appear to have real value and authority that are complete idiots and morons. They just are. They don't have any real value when it comes to nutrition uh, and fitness. I can I can pull up uh, ten of them right now if I wanted to. Well, I guess maybe that's. I think too. There's this, and there's always been this perception. So it's not that much different than having a gym, right? I remember when I'd get a client that would come in and they'd want to buy personal training and then they want one of my trainers. And the way they would, if I allowed them to pick, if I lined my trainers up, all the buffed one. they would pick the one that looked a certain way. Yep. And honestly, of most of my staffs, nine times out of 10, my buffest trainer was never my smartest trainer, was never my best trainer, just wasn't. He or she was really good at getting themselves in shape, whether that because they had insecurity or they were neurotic or they were dis disciplined or whatever, but they had definitely hacked the formula to keep themselves in shape and good for them for that. But they weren't the best communicators. They weren't the most knowledgeable. They weren't the most experienced. And that's just become exaggerated now on in the Instagram world. There's that same perception of because you see somebody with their shirt off and they take professional photos and they're jacked and they're ripped, you assume they must know a lot about metabolism. They must know a lot about nutrition. They must know a lot about working out. And the truth of the matter is, no, that's not a good indicator. It isn't at all. All it means is that they have figured out what to do for themselves to get in or to maintain that shape. It does not mean that they will be good at advising you in any sort of manner. So you just buyer beware, man. You got to watch out for this shit. Yep, yep. And with that, look, if you go to mindpumpfree.com, uh, you can download any of our guides 
for free. That's why the site is called mindpumpfree.com. Go check them out. Hey, wow. You can also find us all on Instagram. We all have our own pages. Uh, my page is Mind Pump Sal. Adam is Mind Pump Adam. And Justin is Mind Pump Justin. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump. <laughs>